Hello, and welcome to this week's BWB Extra, where we continue our conversation with Carol Alexander, Professor of Finance at Sussex University Business School. We hear more about Carol's love for mathematics and why she's now passionate about writing papers on crypto and blockchain instead of traditional financial markets. And you'll also hear us have a good chat about the state of UK politics in this new emerging world of digital currency and what we really think of Rishi Sunak. So surely um, probably what you studied as a PhD was a good base, was it? Well, it really helps to be a mathematician. Yeah. I mean, it helps in every subject, I think, to be a mathematician. Not every, but every academic sort of social science or science subject, it helps to be a mathematician. Yeah, speaking as the exact opposite of a mathematician, (laughs) sometimes it doesn't help. Well, it's really curious, you know. Although actually it's supposed to be, if you're really good at ancient Greek, you're supposed to be really good at maths. Yeah, well, logical structure or I don't know. Maths just teaches you logical deduction and Mm. truth. What, it, what is truth? You actually understand that if, you, if you're a mathematician. I always found it the most amazing, yeah. amazing cool, thing. Huh? That, well, that's algebra. It's the most amazing thing that we have this system where we can describe anything. At, you know, we can describe any system in the, in the real world and then come to these other conclusions. I mean, it's That's just, right. That's it's, exactly it's what truth bonkers. is. It's all relative. You set up axioms and then you, you apply the process of logical deduction. And there's only one process leading to one truth, given your axioms. And how beautiful the answers are, you know, when you get, when people, you know, sometimes equations are very complicated, but it's very famous ones we could name. But it, it's that, you know, I, I, um, I had to do engineering and stuff. So I've done calculus and maths and stuff, but I'm not actually amazing at maths. I'm okay at maths once it's attached to the physical world. So I'm, I'm, I'm sort of dyslexic. So I like to think, you know, if I can think about it in reality, then I'm okay with it. But the moment it becomes more pure... I find that I found that because it, it's really a language at that point, isn't it? It's a sort of, um, as you say, lo- a statement of logical facts that you sort of manipulate, and you have to understand these systems of calculus yes. and so forth. Mm. It's a lot in common with language, yeah. And, the, and what and what's the sort of you? You've how often would you write a paper then? How often do you you, you bang out? Publish or be as damned. They say? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Publish or be damned. Like in academia, certainly, and I only know about. Greek, uh, Greek people. Yeah, classics, academia. <laughs> but, you know, the whole thing for, for, you know, academics is publish, publish, publish. Exactly. In fact, you had one of the questions which I deleted because we've got too many other questions yeah. to answer. But I was supposed to talk about the best advice I was ever given mm. by my wonderful PhD supervisor, long dead now. Publish or perish. Mm. Publish or perish. Mm-hmm. Get on with it. Get it out. Yeah, yeah. Don't be afraid. Don't So I've been publishing a lot recently on crypto and um, blockchain type things. But I go through phases. I mean, first of all, it was algebraic number theory. Then it was game theory. Then it was econometrics. Then it was applied statistics. Then it was um, advanced option pricing. I got more and more involved into, through the econometrics, I got into... What's econometrics? Econometrics is statistics and probability theory applied to economic problems. Okay. And game theory being an example of it, of sort of... No, no, no. game theory is much um, closer to algebra. Okay. But it has some statistics as well. Okay. The, the, the one subject that I didn't really like earlier on was um, the calculus that you were talking oh about. Oh, my God. Didn't much like calculus. It's tough. 
But it's necessary. I mean, I think the lovely thing about finance is that you need to use so many different branches of mathematics. Mm-hmm. So my my recent papers, um, I use quite a lot of algebra still. Um, uh, in fact, going back to my wonderful PhD supervisor, he died at 98 and we published our last paper together on the centenary of his birth. So he'd worked on it with me and then he died and then we sort of arranged the publication, something called Random Orthogonal Matrix Simulation. And I'm still working on it, also with his grandson. Can, who can was, you explain it in, in very layman terms what that title even means? Random, ortho, well, you know. Random Orthogonal Matrix Simulation. Well, do you understand the Monte Carlo wheel? You know, that's a sort of random, supposed to be random. The, 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 the roulette wheel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So imagine that you've got a roulette wheel with loads and loads and loads of different divisions between zero and one, not, you know, okay? So that's a random number generator, okay? So you generate randomly a number like 0.34215, you know, whatever. And that will then give you a a point on something like a normal distribution, the bell-shaped curve. In fact, you can change that bell-shaped curve to a what we call sigmoid, which is changing the density to the distribution. And the distribution goes from zero to one, so you get your random number there, and then you do the, what we call the probability integral inverse um, transformation. And so you get yourself a simulation of a number on something like a normal distribution. You do it again and again and again and again. And you see where, where the numbers might fall. Like, yeah, yeah. But why do you get a bell-shaped curve? They should all be equally likely, aren't they? No, that's the uniform distribution. If you've got a bell-shaped curve, because of this sigmoid shape, most of them are going to be Sigmoid coming... means humped, does it, basically? It means an S-shape. S-shape, okay. And so most of them are going to be in the middle of the distribution because of, you know, you've got this long thing and then up there and there. So all the random numbers that are p- between about 0.2 and 0.8 are going to give you something in that hump region. Right, right. And that's called Monte Carlo simulation. Right, okay. okay. That's now, a funky name. Well, suggesting when I'm in Monte Carlo, I should go for numbers in the middle because they're more likely. <laughs> Is that what? <laughs> you can try. Your best bet, right? <laughs> yeah, it's right. not playing. Put it all on black. Yeah. Just to be clear. <laughs> so, anyway, this, this random orthogonal matrix simulation um, was me turning a matrix that Walter Lederman, that's his name, found. Um, when he was reading a draft of one of my books. And he said, oh, look at this matrix. And I thought, I want want to name it the Lederman matrix. So he's got a name. He's a very famous um, algebraist, actually, and a wonderful man. Anyway, so we did. I I worked with his grandson, who was also a PhD student of mine. I still got a PhD student working in this area. And we're publishing lots more papers on... It's a generalization of Monte Carlo um, simulation. Well, I just about followed some of that. As in, I kind of understand the um, concepts that was well described, but it's fascinating how these sort of problems are out there and mathematicians, you know, continue to work with them. I, I don't know if you've ever heard that story. There's, um, you know, these prizes out there and there's one for a million pounds and the guy solved it and they tried to get hold of him for ages and then they went and banged on his door eventually. So we got, and he wouldn't open the door and they shouted through the letterbox, we've got a million pounds, we've solved the thing. And he said, go away. And he said, I'm 
working on the next problem. Leave me alone. And they were like, but you know, and that, that I always think, you know, people, so a lot of people are motivated by money and some people are motivated by power and some people are motivated by people, whatever. But is it just mathematicians, true mathematicians, Sounds they're motivated, like motivated by, by riddles almost like, yes. you know. The enjoyment of the work. The Indeed. enjoyment research. of the work. I it, love research. And yeah. to a mathematician on that level, it's like a million pounds is just, it doesn't mean anything to well, me. It doesn't make you happy, does it? It doesn't make you happy. How, how, how does the teaching fit in with that? Well, I do all my teaching at the moment in one term. So I'm sort of in penury between October, November, <laughs> December, and a right. bit of January with all the marking. In penury means uh, well, I'm 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 in shackles. I'm oh, okay. Uh, I don't <laughs> hang out with professors much. It's clearly <laughs> showing. I may I may need a dictionary. People will keep up with your uh, knowledge of um, uh, the English language is superb. But yeah, okay, you're in shackles all year. Yeah, uh, no, only only October, November, December, and then it's you're out. Just, no, it's not the marking. It's oh, the right. students I have about. At the moment, I have two undergraduate modules and a postgraduate module. I teach blockchains and crypto assets and and uh, risk management because I, I went through a phase after getting into finance of really building up risk management because I thought 1987 came along and there was this big global crash mm. and I just thought, why am I doing algebraic number theory and game theory? Because the only applications are to war, you know, yeah. coding and all this sort of thing. Mm. And I wanted to do something that was a lot more useful to society because um, I'm quite empathetic with the plight of young people in particular. Mm -hmm. And I don't like banks. Mm. So I thought that by building up risk management as a profession, I could stabilize the global economy in some small way. Mm -hmm. But it turned out after many years, and I, I, I did the syllabus for the, um, what they call professional risk managers um, qualifications, I did books, it was all pro bono, I was chair of the board, it was really labor of love there. And then, you know, a few years ago, I realized that risk managers were never gonna change the world. Mm. I think I had some sort of chair out in Germany where I was talking to the top risk managers in German banks. I didn't expect the US banks and the UK banks to, to take much notice of what I was saying. Why? Because you just think we're, 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 we're heathens or something, or, you know, the Germans might be more receptive to science or something. Or... A little bit more of an egalitarian society. They're going to do what they're going to do if it makes them money. Well, in the US and the UK, um, they're the clever the real clever bankers. You being sarcastic when you say that, or no, you think they no, are? No, they we're, are. We're, we're, I mean, we just in New York, New York and London are by far the dominant, you know. Exactly. You know, finance. So and financial markets rule the global economy. Yeah. Anyway, so there's risk management and there's the Basel Committee, the um, Bank for International Settlements. They're putting all these regulations out. And in my opinion, these regulations are not necessarily the best thing for risk managers to comply with because, in my opinion, what you... Everything with, is our opinion. In <laughs> yes, this, yes. We everything are in is, the safe is, is only in my opinion, but I do have some research um, that I would like to talk about, which is very objective, but I haven't done research on this. But in my opinion, the measuring of minutiae um, all these risks that really don't matter at all when the real risks are the rogue traders mm -hmm. and the manipulation of financial markets. Financial markets are manipulated by big players. And this is why I like looking at crypto markets, because you can actually see it happen. Yes. And 
there is no regulation to stop them doing it as they're, for example, if the trades that go on in crypto markets were to happen on NICE, the New York Stock Exchange, these people would be put in jail. In fact, I know of people in JP Morgan, I didn't know them personally, but I've heard of people that were doing this type of trading because a new trader comes in and says, oh, I was supposed to do that. That's how people told me I should trade. Yeah. Mm. And they're the one that gets put in jail, yeah, not the bosses. And this happens all the time. But people are not punished for doing this sort of thing in crypto markets. So it's a wonderful Petri dish to sort of examine human nature and how and it... And you've got the blockchain to see all the truth if you want to. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Ori Clark got its start back in 1935. And while the world has changed a bit, it's more than just survived. From complying with the FCA and all things financy, they can also speak fluently in the language of legalese. Ori Clark was born and raised right here in the UK And now for 20 years they've been helping others get set up and on their way Ori Clark's door's always open and happy to provide Straight talking financial and legal advice since 1935 Big shout out to Sean Veer Singh for a stellar jingle You can find him at Sean Veer Singh Music on Instagram and at this point, let me quickly remind you to give us a nice review, please, on Apple Podcast or follow us on Spotify so you'll never miss an episode. Now back to the chat. Do you think the UK is well-placed in this messy new world or we're fucked, it's Brexit, we might as well just slit our throats and sink the Titanic? <laughs> well, <laughs> if Rishi had got, had got in, if Rishi had got well, it's in... it's not over yet, is oh, it? Oh, come on. If it's is it really? Didn't Boris say that he'd pretty much achieved or substantially achieved most of his goals oh, while he was in... We're not so, talking I mean, about Boris. We, nobody, no, I believe it's already been done. Oh, come on. Like, fucking sense has to prevail, but it's, it's, please tell me you're telling me that it's not going to. But, you know, sorry. You well, it depends. If, well, if, I mean, I think Liz Truss will be a sort of caretaker and maybe Rishi will go back to being chancellor. But they won't win chancellor. an election with Liz. No. So, I mean, no. they might. But I think, I think Rishi is clever enough and quick enough to actually understand these problems we've been talking yeah. about. And he could position London as, as, as a good centre for the crypto economy. Mm. I'm not sure Liz Truss knows what the crypto economy is. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> oh, she won't have a clue. Um, I mean, and, and, and I have to say, I'm, I ain't particularly... Well, I never heard of Richie till he was made Chancellor and I thought Sasha Javid was a terrible choice because the moment he started talking and tax is a subject I know about, I was like, what are you on about, man? That's just such a shit idea. It was real mini, you know, little people politics or something he was playing. But he was only around for a minute and then they appointed Richie and I remember reading his Wikipedia page. It's like, fuck. It's like, yeah. that's how your CV you want him to read. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Oh, this head boy, bang, bang, bang. It's just like everything he's done He's smashed and he's quite likable. He's, yeah. you know, he was a seriously fucking clever guy. Yeah. I think, I think it wouldn't be a bad thing for this country if he got in, you know, because you know what I want? I think what we all want, I think what the Greeks want is the questions are really fucking complicated. Yeah. I, I think the problem is we keep asking the public them, who, even by this conversation standards, it must be clear that you really need to dedicate some time to even the most simple question to start answering them. But I hope, I hope we elect some fucking clever people who are put in the, put in the, put the, in the room with the information and they do their best to make some, you know, intelligent decisions. I don't want to upset decisions. you, but I don't think that's happening. Well, 
anytime soon. Richie would be at least one clever person in the room who doesn't seem, you know, I mean, people got very outraged by his wife's tax stuff, which if you ask any tax advisor in the country, she did what any advisor would have told her to do. But the optics weren't great and people don't like the fact that she did something that someone probably, some political henchman like we had the other day next to her should have said, oh no, you shouldn't do that. Even though everyone says you should do that. But anyway, let's not talk tax. So you think if... The UK could be well placed, you know, but it, it would just it would need someone to understand what the fuck. Maybe a better question: Where where is the like the Bank of England, the FCA, and all of those? They're the clever people who are supposed to understand finance, and we're supposed to be good at that in this country. Are they? And another one of my ex students is policy advisor in the. Well, um, where is he? Well, that's good. She uh, she. Well, that's great. I'm glad she's you know been educated by you to have a deep understanding of these subjects, and I'm glad these subjects are being taught in Sussex University. You Actually, know. she was from a different university. But <laughs> nevertheless, nevertheless. <laughs> um, um, what do you think? What do you did they did they are they getting their heads around it? Well, does know? it matter? Because I mean, at the moment, this um, actually R- R- Rishi and um, um, and Sajif, uh, uh, no, and um, Zahari are are now um, imposing a, a regulation on the Bank of England where they have a sort of Queen's veto on anything that they do. So Bailey is fighting that at the moment. So, do you agree with that as a? I don't it's like very the American. Idea. Very, very, very American. Government overreach. You know? Yeah, it is. Uh, anyway, so I mean, uh, yeah, there's a uh, the, the the PRA and the FCA, the you know Prudential Risk Authority, the and people the, who do the banks, and then the FCA who do do like any the, uh, financial. Yeah, they activity. do the more retail, in, yeah. you know, users. Yes, that that there is a special fintech hub in the FCA. I'm not too sure about what the PRA the sandbox, are doing, yeah. but I mean they are beginning to try to to address these issues. But they've got a very very long way to go. So that was this week's episode of BWB Extra, and we'll be back with a new episode next week. Until then, it's goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>